0: AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Wheat futures just could not hold on to the early gains, and neither could soybeans. You know, it feels like there was a theme to today's grain trade. And if there was a theme to livestock trade, it was clearly the rally train. We'll check on the livestock markets and talk through the demand side fundamentals of the meats.
1: Live from the last gasp of pervasive postulated political platform, please via Farm Journal broadcast this Is Agritalk this afternoon? We'll talk with Don Close from American Ag Credit. Later, Kerry Artec from ArtecAdvisory.com. And of course, right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now welcome the host of Agritalk, Jeff Laurie. Davis Michelson.
0: Hey, you know what? Yeah. I I think this kind of qualifies as a little bit of breaking news. Okay. All right. What do you got? Don Close. Don Close. Yes. Chief Research and Analytics Officer at Terrain, which is oh.
1: which is the division Wait, you're of saying American Egg Assi- Credit. Did you say assistant researcher? Assistant, assistant? No, chief. Chief. Whoa! How do we get yeah, him?
0: at at Terrain. Terrain, which is an outreach of American Egg Credit. It's brand new as of this morning, like nine o'clock what? this morning. Yeah, well, this
1: is breaking news.
0: Yeah, I think so. That's how I kind of feel about it. Yeah, wow. terrain—it's brand new. You wait until we talk about the list of analysts that are on board at Terrain, and and we'll get the down low from Don on exactly what Terrain is all about, what their goals are, and then I'm not going to have Don on without talking cattle, right? Well, no. Why would you? No, Why would you? That's not about The opportunity
1: to lost. Yeah.
0: Yes. How you doing, buddy? Everything oh, good?
1: Fantastic. Super fantastic. Yes. How about you? How's Monday? You know, doing all right? The
0: the Monday is doing okay. I did not get a chance to watch it, but I heard that the Iowa State University women's Cyclone basketball team started the season off with a big win today over Cleveland.
1: Okay. Okay. Very good. We got
0: a men's game tonight.
1: Uh huh. Huh? Uh huh. Are you excited?
0: Well, yeah. How do you like your chances this year?
1: How do you like? the chances? Uh,
0: I really like the women's chances, and when I say I like the women's chances, uh-huh. this could be one of those you heard it here first. I like oh. their chances. I like their chances for the final four.
1: Is this more breaking news for the final four? For the, four. Final, for the final Chip Flory calls it like in November.
0: Yeah, game one. Game one. It's a good team. It's a. It not, not only is it a good team, it's uh-huh. a very good team. Very Ooh. good team. One that will be able to compete with anybody that's out there. We've got something on the team, uh, on the women's team that we haven't had for uh, six, seven, eight years. And that is a legitimate post player in there. Yep. Six foot six, uh, mm-hmm. has good footwork. Can shoot the three. It's all good. It's all good. Too much. I'm getting it. I, I could talk about this forever, dude. I can see Kill that. All this. Well, I'm
1: glad you're excited. Yeah. I am.
0: I'm very uh. excited. Let's get to the news. What do you got?
1: Wheat futures traded higher through mid-morning, then erased most of the day's gains, heading into the final two hours of trade. USDA this morning reported export inspections of wheat in the weekend at November 3, totaled just shy of 181,000 metric tons, well short of trade expectations, Chip. USDA will update crop conditions for the winter wheat crop this afternoon. ID is the initial condition rating released last week will be the poorest of the fall chased some buying out of the wheat market. Uncertainty about the grain deal to allow exports from Ukraine added to the volatility in the market today. December HRW wheat futures were four cents higher at 9.57 and one half. December soft red wheat down two cents, 8.45 and three quarters. December spring wheat closed at 9.60 and one quarter. That's up five and three quarter cents. Chip.
0: Wheat is a headline-driven market, and really, coming out of a weekend, didn't have a whole lot of headlines to drive it in either direction.
1: Corn inspected for export in the weekend of November 3 totaled just 231,000 metric tons below the low end of trade expectations. Slow export demand and expectations that USDA will cut bushels from its export estimate in Wednesday's update, limited buying interest, even with the U.S. dollar trading sharply lower. In Wednesday's crop production report, traders are looking for a slight downside adjustment to the size of the corn crop from last month. December corn futures closed on session lows and at the lowest since October 6. December corn futures five and a quarter cents lower, six seventy-five and three quarters. March corn down five and a quarter, six eighty-one and one half. July corn futures closed at six seventy-seven and one quarter down four and three quarters chip this
0: might be getting picky but these corn showed some technical weakness today it wasn't huge it's mm-hmm. not like the market just fell apart but okay. i would say that the momentum is with the bears in the corn market after today
1: export inspections of soybeans in the weekend of november 3 totaled 2.591 million metric tons up slightly from the previous week and just above the highest pre-report trade estimate January soybeans opened lower, then rallied on the restart of the day session through resistance at yesterday's high. Traders pointed to the aggressive soybean loadings as the reason for the rally. Bean prices quickly retraced early gains and continued to drift lower through the rest of the day session. (laughs) Slow bean demand from China in October and positioning ahead of Wednesday's supply and demand update from USDA were noted as reasons for a lack of buying interest. Jan beans 12 cents lower, 1450 and a quarter. March beans down 11 cents, 1458. July closed at 1468 and one quarter, down a dime on the day.
0: USDA reports positioning ahead of those and good conditions in Brazil. I think that weighed on the market today as
2: well.
1: Well, December cotton 56 points higher, 87.49. Livestock's December live cattle opened lower and slipped through support at Friday's low before prices recovered to close well above resistance of Friday's high. Deese cattle a buck 40 higher, 153.05. January feeders gained 30 cents, 179.92 and a half. And December lean hogs opened steady and on session lows and then rallied sharply to erase all of last week's price declines. December lean hogs, $4, seven and one half cents higher, 87.05. April hogs up a buck ninety five, ninety four thirty five. 35 Chip Flori.
0: Yeah, I had to check again and make sure that that was right. 4 dollars seven and a half cents rally there. And those Deese cattle, they rallied to fill the October 31 downside price gap. So momentum on the bull side in the cattle market as well. All right, thanks, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Good afternoon, Jack.
3: Hey, happy Monday.
0: Yeah, man. Happy Monday in (laughs) front of a USDA report day on Wednesday. Is uh, that going to have much influence on us this week?
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to it's going to it's going to help set the direction. There's other things going on, too. Uh, Macroeconomic stuff. We have the CPI coming out towards the end of the week. That's going to be pretty important as well. Uh, You never know what's going to come out of uh, Russia and Ukraine for for the wheat market. So that's going to be important as well, if anything does. But, yeah, I I would say uh, the prospects of less demand. Uh, definitely could yeah. be a downer for the beans and the corn.
0: Yeah, Jack, we got this dollar index off sharply again today. We got it down, back down to call it one ten, and uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed in the way that the wheat market, corn market, had traded with the dollar under this much pressure.
3: Well, I think uh, I think once we start uh, really making some lows, when you look at a daily chart. Uh, we're we're back testing into recent low areas, but we haven't really done anything too terribly uh, exciting yet. Uh, but it looks like we're setting up to really slam this thing down, and um, that should be very supportive to the grains. You're right. And I think it will become once we get, say, below 109.5 or 109, I think that's when the market starts to take, uh, take note.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Jack. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks. We'll talk to you again next week.
3: Okay, sounds great.
0: All right, that is Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. Terrain, let's find out all about it. Don Close is the Chief Research and Analytics Officer at Terrain, which is an outreach of American Egg Credit. We'll find out from Don about Terrain, and then let's talk about the markets. We've got Don Close coming up next right here on Agritalk.
2: Our
1: name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know?
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you were with us this afternoon. Don Close. We haven't had a conversation with Don for quite some time, Davis, and mm-hmm. looks like there's a reason why. <laughs> oh, all uh, right. D- Don is the chief research and analytics officer at a new group called Terrain, which is an outreach of the American of American Ag Credit, and Don joins us right now. Don, welcome back to Agritalk.
5: Chips, good to talk with you. It's been a while. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, it has, uh, and you've been busy while we haven't been talking. I have been busy. Yes, sir. You've put together a heck of a team. What is uh, what is Terrain all about? So
5: Terrain is a is a new marketing service, and uh, and as you said, it is a equal partnership with uh, American Ag Credit, Farm Credit Services of America, and Frontier Farm Credit. Wow. And with the three Farm Credit Services together, I created the mass to be able to support a full research organization.
0: Okay. What is the goal and the purpose of this full resource research organization? What, what are you uh, looking to accomplish?
5: Well, I think, you know, I think the first thing we need to say is there's, there's very good services out there today. And I don't, I don't want to discount that. But one of the things that uh, has come across loud and clear as customers talk with their lenders, agriculture is becoming more complicated marketing certainly becoming more complicated and customers are increasingly often reaching out to their bank and asking for insights and views on where they should be positioned in the marketplace mm-hmm. so that's that's what we're here for and uh, it's exciting to be started
0: yeah, that is something right there that Farm Credit Services typically shied away from, wasn't it, Don?
5: I think that's a fair assessment. But clearly with, with all of the communications that we have had, and as I've just to, to repeat myself, but they were they were clearly seeing the frequency of requests from customers mm-hmm. for more and better information. And, and the lenders are taking the view to, you know, if they're going to continue to be competitive into the future, they're going to have to better support those customers.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, looking at the list of the researchers, analysts that are on your team there at Terrain, Matt Clark, uh, Ben yep. Lane, Matt Roberts, good grief. Dave Weber. It, Dave Weber. Yep. Or Weber. Th- this is uh this is an impressive list that you've put together.
5: You know, you and I have talked for a lot of years, and, and I've worked with some really strong research groups in, in the past. But for the strength of each of those analysts from top to bottom, I truly believe this is the strongest uh, group of, of analysts I've ever had the opportunity to work with.
0: Oh, good. Good. Well, you can uh, pretty much guarantee that I'll be tapping in, and we'll get your views on here from time to time. I forward to. I, might not always be you, Don. I mean, there's uh, I, Matt's been on the show before. I believe Ben has been on the show before. I have not had Matt or or Dave on the show, but um, looking forward to getting getting to know them all. Matt Roberts has been on the show. I know that. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to yeah. it. Okay, man. Let's get into it. I want to start with the That's demand good. side of the meat, yep. Because I I think this is going to cover a lot of ground with you and me, Don. If if we start there, because we're going to have to talk a lot of macro issues to get to the end of this little conversation here. Uh, True. Amazing resiliency, isn't there?
5: It it has been now we we really got to say that over the, the last two to three months, and as the, the risk of recession has loomed, there, there's clearly some evidence of consumers trading down not only in the cuts they're buying by species, but, but some transfer between species. But with that said, you said it all. Uh, the, the underlying demand, particularly for beef, has been exceptional. And and I would add to that, it's not just the aggregate, but the demand base that has been preserved for the ultra high quality product is is just off the charts.
0: Yeah. Um, during the pandemic shutdown, and so when we talked about how consumers seem to be changing their at home dining habits. Yeah. And those. Those habits, they held on to them and, and carried them in into the reopening of the restaurants. When they when they eat beef at home, they want a good quality cut of meat, don't they?
5: I think the, the probably the most positive attribute of the whole COVID experience when we stripped all had to remove all of that upper two thirds of choice and prime product from the restaurant trade and suddenly made that available at the retail counter. Consumers very quickly picked up on the fact that they could have a restaurant-quality meal at home and do it for roughly half the price. That trend has stuck. Uh, The other thing that came out of that is the reawakening of consumers on developing cooking skills. Yeah, Uh, We talk about the the Traeger grills being the the crock pot for men. Yeah, But it, it's, it's had an impact.
0: Oh, it, it absolutely has. And you, you know, know what? One, Go ahead.
5: One other piece that I would add to that is, and I think is really making a difference. But if you look at the proliferation of all of the high-quality merchandisers that are doing direct-to-consumers or the, the farm-to-fork programs, Mm-hmm. I think more and more consumers are buying that ultra high quality product directly from the suppliers. Yeah. So we may not be seeing that trade at their local retail store, but but we're seeing that volume hold very consistently.
0: Yep. Yep. You know, a couple of points on this one, Th- this, re- this, uh, I- it- resurgence in cooking you know you said traeger i'm a i'm a gmg guy green mountain grill uh the the that being the crock pot for men this is happening at a time when you look at companies i i can only come up with one example right now and i'm not picking on them but i'm gonna say a blue apron uh, you mm-hmm. know the meal in a box they're struggling yep. but the at-home dining continues to be very strong. I don't quite understand those dynamics.
5: I think I think not only the as people became more conscientious of, of their whole health concerns and, and with the threat of COVID, you know, goal one was to eat healthier. Um, I think the other side of that was just to have that time and when when everybody was working from home they had time to work on a lot of those recipes and cooking skills that mm-hmm. they just kind of looked over when we were all in our, in our hectic business office lives.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, on the, on, on the higher grading beef, the choice in the prime beef availability, uh, this gets us over to suppl- the supply side of things. Can feed yards keep up with that demand? Are we going to be making finishing cattle far enough with a high input costs and everything?
5: That's a great question, and and one of the things that we have to mention in this whole discussion on the demand for high quality beef, you know, we've we've seen about a, a two to three percent decline in the percentage of carcasses that are grading prime. We've seen a yeah. similar erosion in the the upper two thirds of choice. So yeah. part of this equation, <clears throat> excuse me, is from contracting supplies, but it's also a very that as we've said repeatedly but but that strong demand under undertone yeah yeah and i i think your your question is a good one now one of the things that i think you know if you take the weather dynamics that this cow herd has had to negotiate through for the last two to three years and that the ability to get that carcass to grade is a lifelong quest so if that calf is ever under a, a period of stress through its lifetime, it's going to have a detrimental effect on, on the end quality grade. So what, I think we're seeing some of that. I, I think we're also seeing some effect of the, the high feed grain prices that we have had to deal with over the last year. And as cattle feeders look at that high cost to gain there's certainly incentive there to try to sell that steer with fewer days on him. And I think that's showing up in the grid as well. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Very good. We are in the middle of a conversation right now with Don close terrain, chief research and analytics officer. Uh, I've got a lot of notes from that segment right there, Don. I'm going to go over them during the break. But I want to talk about pork demand. How does pork demand compare to demand for beef? And can it continue to lift this market? We'll talk about that next on Agritalk.
4: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: time now for news of note from pro farmer china will persevere with its dynamic clearing approach to covid 19 cases as soon as they emerge china's exports fell 0.3 percent from year ago in october that's the first drop since may 2020 and tomorrow is election day with all 435 house seats and 34 senate seats to be determined The Biden administration has encouraged Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to show Russia that Ukraine is open to negotiating. Members of the International Association of Machinists voted Saturday to approve a second tentative labor agreement with freight rail carriers. China imported 630,000 metric tons of meat last month, down 3.1%. From September, traders have a cautiously optimistic outlook for this week's cash cattle trade news of note is taken from the pages of pro farmer get more at tryprofarmer.com opinions expressed on agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of farm journal broadcasting affiliate stations or sponsors if the world is your oyster we've got pearls of wisdom on agritalk
0: Welcome back to AgriTalk. Talk. I'm Chip Flori. Glad that you are with us this afternoon. We are in the middle of a conversation with Don Close, Chief Research and Analytics Officer at Terrain, which is a, an outreach of American Ag Credit. Uh, before we get back to Don Davis, let's yes. go ahead and recap where the markets closed.
1: Chip, December HRW wheat futures were four cents higher today, nine fifty-seven and one half. December soft red wheat down two cents, eight forty five and three quarters. December corn futures five and one quarter cents lower, six seventy five and three quarters. July corn futures closed at six seventy seven and one quarter down four and three quarter cents. January soybeans twelve cents lower, fourteen fifty and a quarter. July soybeans closed at fourteen sixty eight and a quarter down a dime today. December cotton fifty six points higher, eighty seven forty nine. On the livestock side, December fat cattle were a buck forty higher, one fifty-three oh five. January feeder futures gained thirty cents, one seventy-nine point ninety-two and a half. And December lean hogs scampered four dollars, seven and one-half cents higher on the day to eighty-seven oh five Chip, that is your quick market recap. If I could break you away from the gravy conversation, we'll send it back (laughs) over to you, if you don't mind, sir.
0: Ah, thank you, sir. I appreciate that very (laughs) much. It's a roux
1: you're looking for. Yeah, roux would be the answer. Roo. Exactly.
0: Well, you know, there was a little <laughs> conversation going on between Big Apple, Joe Stackler and myself during the uh, during the break. We've got to get our. Well, hey, it, it, as long as we're talking about home cooking here with Don, yeah. we got to yeah. make sure that we've got our that that we're all on the same
1: page. And here's the thing. I had pork yes. for lunch, so I was able to read out loud the closes and read your conversation. Wrote means like exactly That's, like I'm yes, I recited them by rote like exactly. See, I'm still yes. doing it. I'm still doing it. I got two things going at once because <laughs> oh. of the pork. Because of the pork. Mm.
0: If uh, if you're listening for the first time, we have established n- not not just a theory, the fact, the fact that pork is brain food for one, Mr. Davis Michaelson. That's
1: right. That's right. It, it makes, makes him smarter. smarter.
0: It makes the oh. guy smarter.
1: And heavens, I think I can run faster too. I haven't tested it, <laughs> well, but I feel like I probably could.
0: And believe me, since we share a brain, I want him to eat all the pork he can eat.
1: I had a chop and little bits of uh, sausage chopped up right in it. Sausage.
0: Ah. Sausage. (laughs) 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 All right, let's get back to Don Close, Terrain Chief Research and Analytics Officer. Don, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Pork is brain food?
5: I, I'm buying in. I'm ready.
0: <laughs> well, it seems like other people have bought into this whole idea too, because demand is still awfully darn good for pork.
5: And good, I, you know, I think the the thing that you have to do on the pork side is you almost have to break it down by primal. And and you know, while we've seen an increase in the quantity of bellies and storage from a year ago, but we we're still fully aware of, of the bacon craze and. It's still, I would say, it's still fully in place. Uh, we've seen really yeah. good ham trade with with Mexico, and think we're as we go into the holiday season, we're in, we're in really good shape on the hams. Um, the 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 one piece of that that we continue to have a challenge with are, are is clearing the the volume of loins. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it's it seems like. That export market is helping us out a little bit on the loin side, isn't it?
5: It has, and the, yeah. But the one thing, the, the one thing that that really needs to be an active part of this whole pork supply conversation. Okay. If you look at the decline that we have seen in exports of pork, specifically to China, right, and that slowdown alone has certainly led to. Increase availability of pork not only domestically but to other customers throughout the throughout the world.
0: Right, right, okay. When you look at the meat markets, what's the number one thing that concerns you?
5: I think the the whole recessionary uh, front is is clearly the the big lookout there, and mm-hmm. if if it continues or or if recession were to to get worse is consumers feel more, more strain and making that dollar reach month to month. Uh, what effect or impact will it have on demand? What will we, if and if that happens, what will we see in the trade-off? So what items will pick up momentum at the loss of the higher priced items? Um, that's the big ticket.
0: Okay. All right. Let's branch out here a little bit. Um, because okay. there there are a couple of things happening in the grain markets, well, and not just the grain markets, the goods trade here in the U.S. that I think we need to be aware of and keep track of. What's your team saying about the, the Mississippi River and the, the transport problems that we're having there?
5: I think that's that's a huge, you know, while recession was is still number one, yeah. but if you look at the challenges we're having across all transportation fronts, The water levels on the river as you just mentioned uh the ongoing threat that we've had with the the risk of a rail strike now we did have some very good news on that front overnight or early this morning that the machinist union has agreed to the contract and and they were such a large share of that total vote that i think i'm hopeful that that announcement will clearly give momentum to resolving those contract issues and that we will get a, a, a new agreement, take this rail risk off the table. Uh, okay. but, but if you look at, you know, the the water traffic, you look at rail and look at truck traffic and diesel prices, we've, we've got this continuing threat of, of a diesel shortage coming up and clearly that that price increase that would be anticipated with that's going to affect all forms of transportation. So, this winter, transportation is going to be a, a big focal point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the challenge of moving corn feed from where it is in abundance, in excess this year, into the, the feed yard areas where feed production was short.
4: What a yeah. challenge
0: that's going to create for us, Don.
5: It's, it's going to be a challenge you know when when i when i called last week uh, corn basis in the panhandle area was roughly 205 you know we've been seeing abnormally high basis levels across western kansas and even central and western nebraska again because of the reduced yield that you mentioned mm-hmm. and i do i i i want to think that if we can get this rails the threat of a rail strike resolved I think that will be a first step in to take a lot of risk premium out of that basis market that we can start to work the basis down to more historical norms. So I'm I'm depending upon on settlement of the railroad strike, but I, I want to think we can start to see some improvement there.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to slip us back over to talking cattle here again because I want to. Um, <laughs> uh what a challenge to feed nine dollar corn.
5: Jeez. It's a huge challenge. I uh, I sat uh, one day last week and and took all of the the feeder prices by weight. I took each of the feeder contracts and and just calculated break evens off of all those different uh, beginning price points. And you know you take corn basis as we've already talked about flat price on corn and you can take these feeder prices plus the cost of gain you know it's still it's still going to be a stretch I think we will get there I think the the seasonal appreciation we will see in the cattle I think the support we will see from just contracting available supplies um, and then I think you the two the premiums that uh, that producers have the capability of capturing with the grid premiums that are out there, I think, I think there's still an opportunity to buy feeder cattle that will
0: ultimately make
5: money, but that's not to say they're, they're buying them with a lot of hope when they buy them today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a general question for you, Don, uh, because we talk quite a bit about farmer sentiment on the show, uh, especially on the morning show. Um uh, mm-hmm. What what is your take of the state of ag right now? Are we in pretty good shape, or are the challenges starting to mount up?
4: I,
5: you know I I see the the sentiment reports and I see the stress factor going up and I certainly understand it, but as I travel around and and talk with producers, I'm and and particularly. When I talk with the with and it, and it varies. If you talk to the cow calf guys that are droughted out, they're they're under stress, and I, I oh, don't want yeah, to terrible. underplay that. But if you talk to all the margin operators, the background guys, uh, and the cattle feeders, uh, I think there's pretty good optimism there. I clearly, you know, we we did it all through twenty two, and we're going right back into twenty three, just knowing that three years of aggressive cow liquidation that that available calf crop is contracting. And when you take that reduction in placements that we had with the October cattle on feed report, I think that tide is finally starting to turn. And and I'm clearly in that camp that we will see a a measurable contraction in available fed cattle uh, supplies that will just compound as we go through 2023. Leverage so with, with that the
0: feed yards on this. Mind, I'm sorry. Leverage with the feed yards.
5: Uh, the leverage that they're going to be challenged with buying cattle and in all
0: inputs. Okay. Yeah. But
5: the leverage that the cattle feeder has with the packer, if you take the the ten to twelve dollars a hundred we have seen appreciation in the market since late September, you're already seeing that strengthening leverage showing up.
0: No doubt. Okay, buddy. Hey, it's good to get you back on here. We're going to be doing it more, okay?
5: I look forward to it. Good to be All back right, with man.
0: you. All right, man. All right, that is Don Close. He is the Chief Research and Analytics Officer at the Brand New Terrain. Check him out. When we come back, carry Artak, our RTAC our Advisory, right here on AgriTalk.
1: Agritalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series, features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Laurie. Great Conversation with Don Close. Love it when he's on the show. We can cover a lot of ground in a short period of time and get an idea of what we really need to be looking at in the markets going forward. So a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Looking forward to more conversations with Don going forward. Okay. Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory, is, is our chart analyst every Monday afternoon right here. He joins us right now. Kerry, good afternoon, buddy.
6: Good afternoon, Chip. How you doing?
0: Doing real fine. Artakadvisory.com. That's A-R-T-A-C advisory.com. It's got a free trial button right there on the homepage. Click on that and carry will get you started. All right, buddy, let's get going with these corn. What do you got?
6: Yeah, December corn despite the sort of uh very quiet, low volatility, meandering quality. (laughs) Um, We are trading just above a slightly rising channel bottom that is about two months in the making at 672 even. We closed 675 and three quarter today. So 672 even can contain selling into December contract expiration and above which we can over the next two or three weeks push up to that 718 even level. That is a longer term channel top. I've had as an objective since August 718 even if tested over the next few weeks can contain buying into December contract expiration if we were to close above 718 even in the next two or three weeks then 750 even would be in reach by December expiration and that is a broader market resistance area in other words not just for December but it's on the weekly continuation chart so as March inherits that chart when December volume drops below March March will inherit 750. Even 750 is a ceiling, really, through winter trade, and we can fall off from there into spring, possibly summer of next year. Uh, Downside 672. If we close below that two month channel bottom in the coming days, uh, then we actually have a three to five week sell signal, really, through the balance of December contract life. I would then anticipate a range of support between 618 and 624 even that could contain selling not only through the balance of December contract life, but even broader market, that is to say, March 23 contract selling pressures into its expiration. That is a long-term support area able to contain seasonal selling pressures at 618 even to be exact. On to December soybean meal. We close around 419 even meal. It remains heavy following a sell signal last June below a long-term speed line that is above the market at 455 even. So we've rallied into that zone a number of times over the last few months and we keep falling off from it. I don't really have a downward pivot point that aggressively sends the market into a sell mode through the rest of the year, unless we close below 402.5. And of those two, 402.5 is the weaker. So holding below 455 even, I've been telling my subscribers that the 330s are in reach as we move into spring, summer of next year. And closing this week below 402.5 should accelerate that to within about two to three months. That would put us like in a January February where we could actually reach three thirty point nine if. On the other hand, we were to close above 455.0 in the next week, two or three, then just the opposite. We have a two to three month buy signal back to 510 even, which is a long term channel top. We tested in March It held to the very tick. It's about three or four years in the making and can, if tested, 510 even contained buying well into next year. Yeah. And finally, December crude oil worth mentioning. Um, yeah. We came off a long-term support level a couple of months ago at 77 even, and we are now uh, approaching the objective at 96.36. We're just a few dollars away from that. We may well test it this week. 96.36 can contain buying through the rest of the year, and from there we could fall back to 77 even over the next couple of months. But if we were to close above 96.36 at the end of this week, then we enter another meaningful buy phase where over the next couple of months, 110.72 than expected. That is a a six month descending channel top on the weekly chart that can, if tested, contain buying stay into spring of next year. And once again, it becomes a one to two month target if we close Friday above 96.36. Until then, the 96 handle resistance is an area where this market can grow overbought and fall back. Uh, through the rest of the year, possibly back into the upper 70s, that 77 even area, potentially in reach by the end of the year where we could bottom out through winter activity. And that, well, Chip, is really all I got today.
0: From my perspective, $77 crude sounds a whole lot better than 96, Carrie.
6: No Good doubt. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I, my, 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 my pocketbook would appreciate that at the pump, that's for sure. You
0: got that right, buddy. Hey, thanks. We'll talk to you again next week.
6: Thank you, sir. Have a great day.
0: Yep, that is Kerry Artek, Um uh, Advisory, just check him out, com. Davis, when we talk yep. about energy costs, we've been mm-hmm. talking about the the heating or the heating season and when is it going to kick in in full gear? Well, we talked with Brett Waltz from bamwx.com this morning. Yes, we did. He basically he basically said the end of the week it gets here, yep. right? Yep. So, uh, natty gas today was actually higher, even with crude oil slightly lower, 55, 65 cents a barrel lower in the crude, but the natty gas was actually working to the upside. Now, if if you if you want to take a look at what increased heating demand looks like, mm-hmm. take a look at the National Weather Service six to ten day outlook. Oof. This yeah. is for November 13th through the 17th. It was issued today, and it's got below normal temperatures expected over, what is it? It's 99% of the, the country. I mean, mm-hmm. far southern Florida and Maine <laughs> have yep. chances for near normal temperatures. But the bullseye for below normal temperatures is... North Dakota, South Dakota, eastern Nebraska, eastern Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, western Wisconsin, and western Illinois. That's the bullseye. That's the highest odds for below normal temperatures. And typically what that means is when you're in that area of highest odds, it also means you fall further below normal in that time period. Dandy. So I'm just, I'm not saying i'm just saying you know it's time to it's time to find your scarf and <laughs> and, and those gloves that have been put away since last year uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Yeah,
0: maybe try to find those too
1: i believe i, I will believe i will so
0: you, you got an idea where they're at i hope I you do i hope they're you in do. my winter coat they're in my winter okay. coat do you know where your winter <laughs> coat is
1: Oh, no, I don't. Tomorrow morning, Joel
0: Haggard, U.S. Meat Export Federation, Kevin McNew from FBN to get us ready for Wednesday's USDA report.